This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast with your host, Amanda Ann. Hello, everyone, and I hope you all had a good week. Welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, and today, oh man, first of all, let's talk about that episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier that came out today. We just watched it, and we're just not over it. (laughs) And then this past week, we had the new Loki trailer drop, which I was just like, I'm, I'm done for anything that's Loki. I'm excited. June can't come fast enough for me. (laughs) But anyway, today I am bringing on my good pal Kaylin again, and her and I are going to discuss The Legend of Korra, which is the sequel series to Avatar The Last Airbender. The Legend of Korra is one of my favorite television series and personally holds a high place in my fandom rank because I just love the characters and the storylines in each season, but they're actually called books. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Kaylin. Hi, Amanda. So Kaylin is also, if you did not catch our last podcast, she's a big fan of the Avatar universe along with me. Um, Kaylin, what are your social media plugs? Um, I am on uh, Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitch. Everything is uh, Vintage Elysium, all one word. Um, I am an artist and a writer and a gamer, and I make content about of those things. It's pretty much my life. Yeah, so make sure you guys check her out, okay? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. So today, um, we're going to be obviously talking about Legend of Korra, and it picks up after the death of Avatar Aang. And we meet a little girl in the Southern Water Tribe named Korra, and she possesses the power of the Avatar. She starts showing signs of it. And this is the story of her journey into mastering all four elements, growing as a person, and embracing her role as the Avatar as not only someone who has power, but just an individual girl who can bring peace and balance to the nations. And, you know, to me personally, the characters are very relatable, and the adventures they go on as well as their friendships, they're just all great. And each character Mm -hmm. gets their own kind of story, and yeah, it's focused on Avatar Korra, but... The characters overall, individually, get some good screen time as well. So you know their stories and you can relate to each and every one of them. Yeah. I also think it's neat that um, while Avatar, the characters were all in that kind of younger age group, that these characters were all, I think for the most part, 18 and older. Mm -hmm. So it was nice because it was like, it felt like a fresh take on similar characters. Yeah, that's why. Um, too. It's I, I think that's why I have like grown attached more to this show over The Last Airbender. It's because the characters are more of like, you know, 18, 20, 21, mm-hmm. and then they get older as time goes on. And they have um like just problems that, you know, like finding love and just finding yeah. yourself as a person. Yeah. It's kind of more relatable to to older audiences. Which is neat. Yeah. And so There is a focal point of the story. It's in Republic City, which is, it's like a city, um, take New York, for example, and it has advanced technologies. It's got skyscrapers, automobiles, planes, boats, etc. And this is where pretty much everything goes down. Um, And then you got Tenzin, who is kind of, what is he, Kaylin? I can't really remember. Um, I'm trying to, he's like, he sits on the council. And yeah. I think the council has representative from each nation and then a non-bender. And so I think he just represents the air nation. Okay. Yeah. Because then, I yeah, think. you got President Raiko. He's mm-hmm. the, you know, big honcho of Republic City. Mm-hmm. So, and then, um, so the characters, we got Korra. And she's from the Southern Water Tribe. So one thing to bear in mind, there is a Southern and a Northern Water Tribe. She's from, Her and her family are from the Southern. And... Honestly, I think she's a great role model. Um, I think young girls can look up to her. I'm 30 years old and I really like I really just love her. She's great. And yeah. She just she represents women really well too mm-hmm. in this series. And she just starts out as like an average, I would say, what, like 18 years old. Um 
And she's just very, she, she thinks she's right, but she's not. She doesn't accept advice right off the bat. Yeah. She's very 18. <laughs> yeah. I, and, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I just, I really enjoyed her as a character because I, I don't feel like I relate with a lot of female characters, but Cora was probably one of the first female characters that I ever like solidly related to. Mm-hmm. And I loved that she was a strong female character that didn't sacrifice the feminine parts of herself. Like yes. she was still solidly like a female character. Um, I just thought that was neat. The, yeah, they even drew like some great biceps on her. I know. Like, dang, girl, I wish I could, you know, get nice and buff like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But she owns it. That's what I like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she defies – she gets assigned to Tenzin. She, as of right now, in book one, does not know how to bend air. So Tenzin has to help her. But he also – wants her to learn not just airbending but finding like the spiritual part of being the avatar helping others the very positive things i guess you can say that comes with the job mm-hmm. and she defies him a lot in the like right at first and she's confident in her abilities with like bending water bending fire bending earth but she's got it all wrong And she learns from her mistakes in every season, which, like I said, they're considered books, and eventually becomes a powerful avatar, but just an overall powerful woman. And her character arc is very, very well developed in this whole series. She goes through a relationship. She goes through mental illness. Mm -hmm. She has friendships that she builds, and she gets in fights with her friends, but she, you know, the friend group called Team Avatar, they're strong enough and they mend their friendships. And you just see a lot of growth in these characters. Yeah, it's the dynamic between the different characters and something else that I, because we talked about her going through a relationship. Something I really enjoy in television is that when characters date someone but that's not like the first person they date is not the person they end up with Mm -hmm. and Cora had I mean I think I think we're going to talk about it a little later but she had a couple different relationships and it was interesting how they addressed them because like you there can be that instinct to like okay so we know that she's going to end up with this character and she's going to be with this other character now and we want to make it like super toxic and the opposite and then the other perfect the other relationship is going to be perfect and None of the dating relationships in the show were like that. And I just thought that was kind of refreshing. Yeah, because you go back to The Last Airbender and you have Aang and Katara that were like destined right off the bat. Yeah. You knew they were going to be together and it was just like happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is not a bad thing. I mean, it was cute. But with this, like I I, I feel like a broken record saying this, but it's very, very relatable to what, you know, maybe you and I – Mm-hmm. grew up with like as a teenage girl or mm-hmm. you know whoever out there can relate to when starting like a new relationship and you know you can end up in a toxic relationship or you know maybe it's just not right and you learn from your mistakes you learn from it and you just continue to grow mm-hmm. and one thing too that re- I really liked about Cora is that in season three, she falls hard and she grows into, you know, I, I would say a pretty deep depression. And mm-hmm. I feel like book four, which is season four too, if you, you know, um, mm-hmm. it deals with mental health. And that's a big thing with me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a supporter of mental health awareness and I really appreciated that as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think the way that they handled it was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think even in Avatar, we had a little bit of that with Aang towards the very, very, very end when he was having like the nightmares about fighting Ozai. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was depression so much as, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't, not PTSD, maybe PTSD. I'm not sure. But yeah. the the way that they handled Korra and her solving her problem had to come from within and not from her powers. I think that was really powerful. 
Yeah. And I have it written down here too, that overall, sometimes you feel like it's not a show about bending the elements. Like, nope. I always forget they even have power sometimes just because I get so lost in their emotions in the story. And I agree. Yeah. It's just very well done. Mm-hmm. Cause they show her like turning away help, you know, distancing herself from her loved ones and you know, so and I think t- they bring Toph back. Toph, Katara, and Zuko, they are all alive, but mm-hmm. they're old. So Toph has a really good line in this show, and it's called um, or she says something along the lines of leave it to the kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. They- they're retired, they're done. <laughs> yeah. But Toph does do um, she does a tough love approach to Korra. And Korra kind of just she needed that little push, and she eventually overcame whatever she was going through. Mm -hmm. I think you could call it tough love. Yeah. (laughs) That was bad. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. There's another thing too, was that the blending of the old, like Avatar and Korra, like they had the old characters come in, but they were not the star of the show at all. They were there just a little bit. Um, Some, Mm -hmm. one of my absolute favorite things in the show is the world building. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause there's, there's so many things that are not just like callbacks and Easter eggs, but it really felt like it was very well thought out. Okay. So this is the world that we're coming from. What would happen and what would change based, you know, based on what we know. And mm-hmm. it just felt very, uh, very deep. And I really appreciated that. Oh yeah. So now we're, let's get into some of the other characters First of all, we got Tenzin, and he's one of my personal favorites. I have, like, a lot of favorites, actually, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, I love Tenzin. So he's Avatar Aang and Katara's youngest son. He is an airbender, and he is destined to honor and cherish the air nation by keeping up with the various air temples and making sure it's all protected. His siblings are his oldest brother, Boomy, with, he does not have any bending at all, but he's actually pretty funny. He's cool. Mm-hmm. And then we have middle sister Kaya, and she's a waterbender, just like her mother Katara. And we later learn that maybe Aang and Katara weren't the best parents, as there's some type of envy between the older two siblings when it comes to Tenzin. Mm-hmm. So I find that really interesting because it's like I said, they gave us this happily ever after with Aang and Katara, but then we learn things aren't what it seems. Yeah. I also thought that was a really interesting choice. Yeah. And it's very relatable too. Um, mm-hmm. just dealing with kids who grew up with, you know, like a broken home or maybe their parents weren't as there for them as like all their parents would be to other kids. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see the hurt and, um, you know, the whatever, especially like with Kaya and Boomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That episode closer to the end where the three of them were looking for, um, Tenzin's daughter i can't remember what what her name was Mm -hmm. um and they had all that like heart-to-heart discussion about it i thought was really interesting that's one of my favorites yeah one thing if we're on the subject of boomy though one thing i did not super like was um towards the end of the show when he got the airbending yes i kind of liked that he wasn't a bender and had found his own way made his own peace with that and I kind of felt like it would have been an opportunity for a, you know, okay, cool. You have the powers and then you see that, you know, you don't need them to be a great person, which kind of relates back to Sokka mm-hmm. and uh, even Asami. Um, but then that he kept the, like, I didn't mind the whole plot line where they got a bunch of new airbenders. I just didn't feel like Boomy should have been included in that, I guess. That's really interesting because I never thought of that until now. So, yeah, I have to agree with you because he takes after his uncle Sokka. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Sokka's cool. Who wouldn't want to? (laughs) Yeah. And this universe is so big. You don't need bending powers to be, you know, a great person. And there's so many characters that prove that. And I feel like Boomy kind of goes against that. So I don't know. It's... (laughs) Yeah. And for those that don't know, um, is it book three where... I think it's book three. Yeah. And I'll later talk about, we'll talk about the villains later, but mm-hmm. random people start getting airbending and Boomy's one of them. Yeah. 
So, but Maybe. so mom Katara or grandma Katara <laughs> is still alive and is part of not only her children's lives, but she's also a major help to Korra and she's a mentor of sorts to her, which comes in handy. And Tenzin is tasked with training Korra on Air Temple Island, not only how to be an airbender, but it's like I said earlier, he wants to teach her the spiritual side of being the avatar, how you need to be there for the people. It's not about you having these powers. And Tenzin can be viewed as you know, annoying, the typical dad, but in the end, I think he's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Tenzin, he's married to Pema, and they have four children. Three of the oldest, they are all airbenders, and they are adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got Janora, Iki, and Milo, and they're just really confident. I feel like they're more confident in their bending than even Aang was. Mm-hmm. I and- love Janora's arc. Oh, I love Janora too. So much. And Milo, yeah. he's such a great yeah. comedic relief throughout the whole series. Yeah. <laughs> They're all good kids. Bears a striking resemblance to his grandpa. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> I'll have fart jokes too with Milo. It makes me wonder if that Tenzin also wasn't like that and he got the curse of, I don't know if, if your mom ever gave you this curse, but mine did of, someday you'll have kids just like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it makes you wonder. I love Tenzin's, you know, Milo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like my favorite. Uh-huh. So the oldest, Janora, she is a very serious airbender like her father, and she is later rewarded with her tattoos as an airbender master. And she also has a deep connection and understanding with the spiritual world, unlike her father. And it really helps Korra out to navigate through the spirits. So... Janora, yeah, she's a very powerful character, too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like she gets overlooked, but her story is very important, and it's important to just Korra's overall understanding of the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Something Tenzin couldn't teach her, which, in the end, I think Tenzin was a little bothered by it, but, you know, it was his daughter, and or it's his daughter, mm-hmm. and, yeah, mm-hmm. he's proud. <laughs> yeah. And then we got the middle Iki, who has middle child syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so hard <laughs> yeah she's fun though and she's mm-hmm. a great airbender as well so now we are switching over to lynn Bayfong. Yes. she is the police chief of republic city and is a master metal bender just like her mother toff and she actually took over the police chief role because her mother retired and toff actually was the one that founded the police force of republic city And Lynn is a rough and tough character with a hidden, vulnerable side to her. She is full of anger towards her mother and Tenzin, who is actually her ex-boyfriend. And it's apparent Mm. she's still she could still hold some feelings for him. Oh, she does absolutely. Yeah, and she takes her job very seriously. But in the end, and I love this, is that she has such a soft spot for Team Avatar and becomes an ally to them. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Lynn. She's. She's a lot of people's favorites. Yeah. She's, I feel like I have more favorites in the show than I did with Avatar, but she's definitely up there for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great. And I love, like, when she goes soft. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's another great thing. Like, the show, like, everybody has an arc. Everybody changes. And, like, it's really, it was nice to see her not just be tough the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually see some vulnerable moments of her Mm -hmm. like with Tenzin and then with her mom in the last Mm -hmm. season with her which I'm I will talk about here um, very shortly her sister Mm -hmm. Top's youngest daughter they have a rift between the two and yeah one of yeah go ahead I don't know if we want to talk about it now or later but which one is it that we don't know who their dad is I believe it's it's um Toph so Um, yeah, Lin and Suyin, they have um, two different dads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough. Tough. Get it, girl. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So switching over now to the boys of the group. <laughs> mm. Uh, so we're going to talk about um, Republic City. It has a sports game, and it's called Pro Bending. 
and it's a widely watched event, kind of like baseball or football here in the United States. Cora is immediately drawn to the sport and befriends the Fire Ferret team, more namely the brothers Mako and Bolin. And Bolin is probably, I know I said this about Tenzin, but Bolin is absolutely my favorite character in this whole, whole series. And I like to call him a cinnamon roll because yes. that's what he is. He is very sweet. He is peak cinnamon roll. Yes. Yeah. He's, he just always means well, too. Mm-hmm. I just He's a peacekeeper when the going gets tough, but he can be gullible and easily persuaded. Also, he falls hard for pretty girls he lays eyes on all the time. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> he is an expert earthbender and only gets better as the series goes on, and he eventually learns lava bending, which is something even Toph couldn't achieve. And him and Mako are extremely close in the first part of Korra, and they are only the they're basically the only family they know to each other. Their parents are dead, so they fend for themselves, which I think is great. I love brother love. I love sibling mm-hmm. love. But then they do grow apart a little bit, um, like around season four. But they come back. <laughs> yeah. He uh I for- I kind of forgot about the entire subplot where he becomes a movie star and gets a big head about it. Yeah, I got that coming up. But yeah, he um, if he's offered a job or just offered anything, he'll take it. Mm-hmm. And then he thinks this is it. He made it. But um, I don't know, Kaylin, if you've read the comics yet with Korra. But in the most recent one, he just has this new job. And Mako says something about him being flighty. And he, you know, Bolin's like, I'm not flighty. But he is. He is. <laughs> for sure. But he's a cinnamon roll. Yeah. (laughs) That leads us into Mako, who is Bolin's older brother, and he's a skilled firebender and generally is the typical hearthrob of the series. Korra is attracted to him, and she falls head over heels for him at first when she eventually joins the fire ferrets. Mako is a lot more serious than Bolin and overall in the group. He eventually joins Lin on the police force and is He's basically a cop the whole time, and he eventually becomes a bodyguard to the Earth Kingdom prince in book four. And he immediately, um, he doesn't return feelings for Korra right off the bat, and he falls in love with a girl who almost hits him with a motorcycle, and her name is Asami. I'm just saying Asami can hit me with a motorcycle. Asami, I think, is my favorite. I love her. Asami is a smart, pretty, rich girl. With Alongside her dad, they own Future Industries. And they're in charge of a lot of things, like automobiles, mecha suits, with what Kaylin said, how you don't have to have bending. These mecha suits can just help you out in battle, electrocute, whatever, take the punches of a bender. And her dad betrays her in book one so she's kind of fending for herself and running future industries by herself and she's actually a very smart and strong woman and she's not your typical attractive woman with whom like you know she's the damsel in distress type because you instantly think like oh god here we go but no not at all yeah i was so confused with asami when she first got introduced because like you know how, like, in the 90s, all of the evil women cartoon characters had the dark hair and the green mm-hmm. eyes? And I was just, like, so internally conflicted. Like, I want to like you, but I don't know if I can trust you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And it lasted the whole show. <laughs> but I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Mako instantly falls in love with her. And there's some jealousy between Korra and... Her and Asami really don't hit it off right off the bat, but Asami genuinely wants to be friends with Korra, and you see Korra kind of just, like, accepting it, and she does become friends with Asami, and they, like I said, they do have, like, a rocky start, but their friendship overcomes so much that in the end, we'll get to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. So, together... All these characters make up Team Avatar, and this friendship is just as strong as the bond the characters had in The Last Airbender. And it's a new generation, and those like Katara, Zuko, and Toph, they're just taking a step back, and they're just letting the kids handle it. 
So what's so great about this series is that it's constantly fresh and exciting. There's different villains in each book, like Amon in book one, Unilock and Vatu in the second book, Zahir and his crazy bending squad in the third book, and Kuvira in the fourth. Each villain has their own mission, and when Korra prevails, there is always a takeaway for her to grow as a person. Another thing that these villains and their stories is that they make the series darker than what Last Airbender was, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Amon takes away bending and wants an equal world. Unalak wants to, he wants to be a partner with Vatu, who's the dark spirit, and just genuinely rule the world. He just, he's passionate about just wanting to rule the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So your typical villain with that. Yeah. But Zaheer, now this one is a really interesting one. He's out for vengeance. And I know some audience members, they do kind of feel sorry for him, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I th- I thought he was an... I think he was the most interesting villain. I agree. I, I don't say that I pity him, but I think he's the most scary because he's the most realistic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Honestly... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then some of the stuff he does is just like the scariest stuff I've seen in Avatar Universe, and you know what I'm talking about. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, this is actually um, the season where I really got drawn into the series Mm -hmm. because it was so dark and so like, oh, they're actually doing that. (laughs) Like, they're going for it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's just, it's one of the darkest fights in the Avatar Universe. And Kaylin, I don't know if you know this, but Nickelodeon actually pulled Korra because oh, of reasons like this. Yeah. Wow. So the only way to like watch these new episodes was it's it's just Blu-ray, the DVD, the Blu-ray disc, and wow. then it's also on. It was on Amazon Prime to buy. Jeez. It's, yeah, because of like I said, I'm just gonna give it away here. Someone's head gets blown off in book three. So, obviously, yeah. Nickelodeon would pull that. But they yeah. went for it. And that's what made this. It, it, it went with the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in retrospect, which might be why Nickelodeon is doing what they're doing now with the creators, I think in retrospect, like, shift target audiences instead of canceling the show. Because mm-hmm. it's really, I mean, I didn't watch it until it was on Netflix. But, I mean, everyone I've ever talked to loves the show. Yeah. And they're like our age too. Mm-hmm. That you know, and even um, Mike, he thinks it's really just equivalent to even like the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. the story, the characters, all that. Yeah, I guess it's another thing. So I watched this when it came on Netflix. I didn't watch it when it came out. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. judge this through the lens of a now, and I shouldn't for some things. But that's also a good point: is that like now kids watch Marvel movies where. And I think that's a lot more violent than the average things that were on TV when this came out. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. Yeah, I agree. So then in book four, we have Kuvira. And I'm going to talk about her in a moment because to me, she's one of the best villains I've seen. Like, just in animation. Mm -hmm. So, but as the series progresses, we are introduced to even more important characters And in the end, it feels like just one big family. It's like a bunch of, you know, misfits (laughs) joining into one. (laughs) It's kind of like the Avatar Avengers. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. In uh, book two, we are introduced to Varric, who is a billionaire and runs his own company. And he literally owns everything. And he's just a massively successful person. Um, He has like a business on the high seas that he gets the majority of his profit from. But he's also another comedic relief character, and he eventually does befriend Team Avatar after betraying them a little bit, but that's part of his scheme. But he really takes Bolin under his wing, and we mentioned how Bolin becomes a movie star. Varric is actually the Steven Spielberg of the Avatar universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. he invents movers, as they're called, um, their movies, and he puts Bolin in the starring role of Nuttuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a very Howard Hughes character, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. 
And then Varric is seen with his assistant Julie, and Julie's another one of my favorites. And I love her in the comics. She only gets better in the comics. Oh my gosh. Oh man. Can't recommend that enough. And Julie does absolutely everything for him. But her big moment comes in book four, where she is seen not only as his assistant, but his equal. She is just as smart and maybe even smarter than him. And the two of them are master inventors. And to me, it's such a big Iron Man and Pepper Potts vibe. <laughs> hmm Absolutely. I was watching, we were watching Iron Man like a few weeks ago, and I'm like, this is Varric and Julie. This is yep. Iron Man and Pepper Potts. Like, what? <laughs> yep. And I and love ju- it. Yeah. Julie is also sneaky and always has a plan, which eventually earns her a spot in Team Avatar as well, because she is just so brilliant, but she's also kind and considerate, unlike, you know, Varric can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After some betrayals and time apart in book four, her and Varric eventually come to realize they love each other and they get married in the series finale. So I just, I love their dynamic. I love it so much. Yeah. It's, it's a rough gag. Julie, <laughs> do the thing. I say, I say that all the time with my boyfriend. Same. <laughs> always like, do the thing. Yep. Oh man, they're sweet. I, and I, I love how... She, oh, if if this if they were in the Harry Potter universe, she would be a textbook Slytherin, yeah. and you wouldn't even know it because at the at the end of the book four, when she uh, pretends to work with Kuvira, like that was some that was some pro gamer moves. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. This is like the first time you actually like notice her too, in a way, mm-hmm. because she's just always in the background. But then yeah. it's like you go back and watch the series again. She's there and she's just like a big important part of mm-hmm. Varric Industries. <laughs> yep. But things get very interesting for her in the comics. So like I said, can't recommend those enough. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. So in book three, we are met with the Metal Clan, which is Lin Beifong's sister and her family. Suyin Beifong is the youngest daughter of Toph and is a master earth and metal bender as well. Her and her husband, Batar, are, they're kind of like, I wouldn't say like the president or anything, but they're head of Zafu, which is a city of metal and security. And they live there with their children, Wing and Wei, Opal, Batar Jr., and Huan. Her head of security is a young woman named Kuvira, who eventually becomes the main antagonist of Book 4. And Korra is instantly taken to Suyin and the family and learns some metal bending of her own. And yeah, I just, the fam, this family is just everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of the family. Right? I love them. And I, love I keep Opal. saying that about every single character. I know, right? <laughs> but it's true, though. <laughs> and then Opal and Bolin, they eventually start a relationship as well, and they continue it throughout the series. It's just a very, it's very sweet. They are the cutest. They are I my mean, favorite couple. Yeah. They're perfect for each other. Yeah. It's so cute. Yeah. Two little cinnamon rolls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for the next show where they have little babies and they're going to be the cutest little babies. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> they need it. <sighs> we need it. <laughs> we can go visit Auntie Cora and... Yes. yes. Uncle Beric. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine that? Oh, man. The only thing with Varric that I'm disappointed in is that it wasn't Sokka. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand, but that should have been Sokka a little bit. Like, with all the inventing and everything. There's rumor that he could be Sokka's son. I'd be for it. I'm for it. Yeah, definitely. When I read that, I was like, oh. But then they also, there's also rumor that Julie could be like a Sokka offspring because her last name is Moon. But just take that with a grain of salt. I I just heard that. I guess possibly. I also, yeah. I was all, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I keep going back and forth on whether or not I feel like one of Toph's kids is Sokka's. They say was Su Yin could be. Yeah, I think so. That's why I was trying to remember which one because one of them we do know who. Like we got the name. Yeah, uh, it was I, Lin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard so like 
the the theory that I heard is that you know Toph had a thing with Lin's father. Mm-hmm. He left, and then she went back to Sokka. Mm. But, I could see that happening. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I hope so we, many we get conspiracies with this show, and that's what makes it interesting. It is. Well, they took such a time jump. Yeah, because like I f- I feel like if they were going to reboot the show, most shows would do it while. Um, the original Avatar crew are the ages of the Korra cast, but instead this jumps like a hundred years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I like, I like that decision. I think it's fresher. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would like to see a glimpse of maybe more of like Mommy Toph, Daddy mm-hmm. Aang, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like Uncle to see Sam. even more like, like Zuko and his family. Like what happened? Because yeah. we do see his grandson. His grandson is he's like the head of the like he's army the, he's a yeah type of I forget his name but his voice he's voiced by Dante Basco yeah same voice actor and i want like cuz we do see fire lord azumi who is zuko's daughter so i'm wondering if he is her son but they never mention that mhm and avatar ended with with uh with with oh my gosh Okay. Avatar ended with Zuko. He was going to go find his mom, right? Mm-hmm. And that was never addressed. Where so, is Zuko's mother? <laughs> yeah. Um, they do address that in the comics. Oh. That's what I get for not reading the comics. Yeah. So, yeah, it's called this. I believe it's called The Search. That's the comic you want for Zuko's mother. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look for it. Yeah. And those are really good, too. All the comics are just fantastic, and I really would love to see, like, you know, a show based on some mm-hmm. of them. Um, and Iroh, that's his grandson's name. Yes, I can't believe I forgot. General that. Iroh. Yes. I just looked it up. I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I, I think this character deserves her own little section here, and that's Kuvira. Mm-hmm. She is out to rule the Earth Nation and eventually wants Republic City as her own. She disguises her quest as helping the nation heal and come together, but in reality, she is causing more harm than good. Suyin's oldest son, Batar Jr., he also leaves the family to join Kuvira, and he falls in love with her, and they're engaged. Suyin wants nothing to do with Kuvira and Batar's mission and calls Kuvira's bluff from day one, so her and Kuvira do not get along at all. And Kuvira is actually a very powerful antagonist because she is manipulative. Let me restart that. I can't talk tonight. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with me. Kuvira is a very powerful antagonist because she is very manipulative, smart, and she is very strong with bending earth and metal. Even Toph comes out of the swamp to join the fun and defends her family. And it's interesting to note that Kuvira does not attack Toph at all. She will not. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. There's a part where um, they're all fighting and Toph comes in and kind of literally puts her foot down. (laughs) (laughs) The earth goes like crazy. And, you know, she says something like, you give metal benders a bad name. And Kuvira just like stops her actions and she just watches them like escape. So to me, that seemed like she will just she will not attack Toph because Toph is the reason for everything. Yeah. Well, not only that, but Toph is literally infamous for a number of reasons. Like, mm-hmm. did that, she? That'd be like the metal. I bending? think, she, yeah, I think she was the first person to yeah. metal bend. Yeah, yeah. So Kuvira has to respect that. Mm-hmm. Or fear it, or both. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this battle leads to an epic face-off in Republic City in the last few episodes, which, in my opinion, is one of the best ending fights to a series I've seen. Yeah, that was a pretty intense fight. Yeah. The end of book four, mm-hmm. speechless. Yeah. Like, I was in it. Yeah, that was that was very intense. It felt, it kind of felt like it had the grandeur of an anime ending. Mm-hmm. I thought that was neat. Yeah, and it was just so great to see everybody coming together. They all, mm-hmm. like, despite the differences they probably had throughout the whole series, they all came together and they helped each other and defeated Kuvira. And so, like I said, just one big family dynamic at the end. 
they all come together at Varric and Julie's wedding. They're all dancing and they're all happy. I love that. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's so many great characters in the series, but yet it doesn't feel busy and it doesn't take you away from the main character. Mm-hmm. Like it's Cora's story. It's Cora's show. Even though there's all these characters. Yeah. It's never get taken away from Cora. And there are some episodes that are dedicated to a certain character or a set of characters. And in the end, we know them very well and the dynamic they all share with one another, like I just mentioned. And it's just, they help each other. And that's, for me, that's like what the big message is. No matter your differences, no matter where you came from, no matter what you do, even like in real life, it doesn't matter like what your job is, what, who you love, whatever, just respect each other just form friendships and yeah, we can just all make it good. I think we can yeah. all agree on that. We need that. For anyone. Yep. We need it so bad. <laughs> and speaking of that, there are so many deep messages in the series, like trust, love, finding yourself and acceptance. Sometimes I personally forget that I was watching some type of avatar show. And it's just, like I said, the, it's just the stories and just the the characters and the emotional message of it. Just if you forget that these people have these powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel and I feel like Cora spends a lot more time without her powers definitely than Aang does. Like she spends a lot of time not either like doesn't have access to her powers or um can't use them like like when she's dealing with the depression. Well, she straight up loses her powers, right? And one, of I think so. Yeah, I think at the end of book three. Yeah, because I think that was with uh, Zahir. Yeah, he took away her. Well, it didn't really take away, but she had poison mm-hmm. in her body that like immobilized her. And mm-hmm. Katara actually was helping her heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was why she had to go find Toph. Mm-hmm. I think too. That's just why. Me especially, I don't know about you, Kaylin, but, you know, you just resonate with her and just herself feeling like everyone has felt helpless at least once in their life. Mm -hmm. And it just shows how you can prevail over that. Mm -hmm. And it's like sometimes I forget these characters are animated because they're just so (laughs) real to me. Really, though. And it's it's they're so easy to relate to in a number of ways. And even if you can't specifically relate with something like you know, like, like her dealing with the depression and, and all that other stuff, like it's done in such a way that you can empathize with it. Yeah. And yeah. And she eventually learns just a lot about herself in the end. And this leads to the, probably one of the biggest takeaways from the show. And I have to commend the writers of the show for this because this is, I think it's one of the first big network animated shows that represents the LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. And in the end, uh, I know Kaylin and I, we kind of set this up, but Cora and Asami, they're together. And it's yeah. great. Which is pretty great. Cause they kind of, they all, you know, the three with her, Mako and Asami, they, you know, each dated Mako. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you know you would think like oh they're gonna you know Mako's gonna end up with one of them ha 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 but no, <laughs> no. they end up with each other at the end yeah I think that was great and I think it was sweet that they built that like there were a couple places that you saw them building up like when Korra was um, in the wheelchair and Asami was there taking care of her and like when she wasn't really riding with anyone she was still riding with Asami and it was just it was I just thought it was neat I am. Always on the prowl for A plus yeah, and content. I know like throughout the series I would always be like you know, oh Cora's just she's gonna end up with Mako, like her and Mako are mm-hmm. you know in book two they were they were okay together. But then they mm-hmm. fought and then they broke up and I'm like, you know what? Cora'll just be single. She's gonna be a woman who don't need no man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like but, uh, like you said, the signs were there in book four. Mm-hmm. I yeah, also I- yeah, she like Asami comments on her hair and she blushes mm-hmm. and just little things you might have missed. Mm-hmm. I was kind of, because um, I watched it so late, 
I had been spoiled to the mm. fact that they end up together. So like I was looking for it the whole show. So in book one, when uh, she and um, Cora were fighting over Mako, I was very confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I, they were, they were a good couple. Anyone who Googles this show will get it spoiled. Yeah. It's right there. I actually got it spoiled um, to me when I was at Comic-Con and we were in Artist Alley. And I walked past a booth and I was like, oh, there's some Korin Asami fan art. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And Mike was like, let's go this way. (laughs) I'm trying to get me away from this. (laughs) Because he knew. He's seen the show before I did. Yeah. And um, yeah, he knew. So, oh man, it's like spoilers. <laughs> We're just gonna go now. Yeah, but I, I just and I, I know I keep hee hawing about the the sequel comics to the show, and their relationship is explored a lot further in the comics. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Cora is great at is that she doesn't need validation from anyone, and it truly shows it in the end. And she's just you know overall just a great role model for young women, young girls, any age. To show them love who you love and be who you want to be and believe in yourself. Yes. And that is a good message for anyone. Yes. Just take it and go. Yeah. (laughs) So overall, this series has gotten mixed reviews, unfortunately. Um, You know, there's just some people who are just so genuinely in with The Last Airbender and that's it. They don't want to hear about anything else. Mm -hmm. They think it had like a perfect ending, yada, yada, whatever. But, you know, there's people that really like this show, too, like you and I. So and that's why mm-hmm. we're here to talk about it. It's to spread awareness. So watch yeah. it. <laughs> it's a fantastic show. It's a great companion piece. Like, And, like, again, like, the, a lot of the world-building choices, like, I was – I just remember watching it the first time, and I was, like, blown away. Um, like, like Cabbage Corp. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah, and you do see like the little nods towards um, like the Avatar Last Airbender mm-hmm. series. Like Aang, there's a picture of Aang eating sushi or whatever, you know. And I really do like the flashbacks too to Aang being kind of like Korra's guide. Mm-hmm. He's not like really like a guide to Tenzin per se. He's more of a guide to Korra. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and get your uh, get your merch at Box Lunch. Yeah, I just picked, I just picked up a shirt. It's like a sweet Cora shirt. Oh, neat! Yeah, and they got yeah they got different things like shirts, sweatshirts. Mike has a fire ferret shirt. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I need one. I need ten. I need all of them. I'm just so happy to see merch. Yeah, because <laughs> after I watched it, I I think it was um, I remember finishing the series and then I went to Nashville with my parents so i think it was 2019 is when i watched it and i was like where's all the merch for this i need all the stuff right i have money and i want to spend it yep so yeah box lunch has it i don't know if hot topic has they might have some stuff but i've seen the most at box lunch yeah hot topic has everything yeah and you know like i said pick up the comics you can get it off amazon you can buy the hard copies or kindle i have both copies (laughs) Uh, yeah and so we're gonna talk about too the future of the avatar universe we got some exciting news that just dropped a few weeks ago that the avatar universe is getting its own animation studio kind of like you know like your pixar studio and your dreamworks studio it's gonna be avatar which is super exciting they teased new shows new movies new books comics so i am so excited oh man they're going full lucasfilm i would just i would love it if they just continued after cora maybe even like a few years after that or something (laughs) bolin and opal's children (laughs) oh my god yes well so what's who's who's the next avatar what's the cycle who's after water is earth oh no 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 Uh, it's fire it's fire yeah i think yeah because Earth was Kyoshi, and Kyoshi was. Oh no no no! So it was the one Roku before was right before Ang. Yeah. So it's fire, air, water. Earth. So Earth is next. Earth. Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh! It could be Bolin and Opal's kid. 
Oh no! Oh man! Oh the babies! Are you guys hearing this? Come on, make it happen, please. Let's do it. <laughs> what I would love to see is more about the first Avatar. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that at all. There were a couple episodes um, talking about it, it had to do with Avatar Wong mm-hmm. and how his deep connection with the spirits, especially. So it would be really interesting to see how that would play out. Yeah. How the spirits got to be where, you know, like the spirit world and the creation of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would love some more stuff like that. Yeah, I know Mike would be like all for that, too. Mm-hmm. He read the uh, the um, oh, gosh, Kyoshi books. He said those are really good too. So hey, we'll see. They got their own studio now. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> they can do all the things. Yes. We just if anybody's listening, watching. that's part of the Avatar animation. We're excited. We're super we excited. Wait. Yeah. You have our support. And love and cookies if needed. Yep. <laughs> do the thing. thanks i love it yeah so in conclusion here yeah watch the show that's all i can say yeah and let us know what you think because we would love to talk we i love to talk about this show yeah so you're like i need someone to talk about legend of korra and i'm like i will clear my entire day yes (laughs) so kaylin thank you for joining me tonight. It was so much fun. This was fun. Yes. It's always fun being here. Yeah, thank you. And next week, I believe we're going to probably talk about Big Shot. That's going to be a show with John Stamos. He's one of my favorite actors, so I'm super excited about that. And um, we're going to actually, if anybody's interested, I know I got a couple people on board. We're going to have a nice big Falcon and Winter Soldier discussion in a couple weeks. Ooh. Kaylin, I think you're going to be a part of that. That would be fun. So, yeah. So if anyone's interested, please email me. I will be happy to have you on. And, yeah, we're just we're just going to talk. The show is great. So I don't know. I feel yeah. like there's going to be a lot to talk about. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I mentioned this in my intro. Loki trailer dropped this past week. I'm just, I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah. I've been Loki'd this whole week just thinking about it. <laughs> so I'm but anyway key excited <laughs> yes <laughs> i'll see myself out <laughs> on that note <laughs> make sure y'all follow kaylin on her socials she plugged those in i'll leave them in the description below as well and make sure you also subscribe like comment do whatever never miss a new episode and i will talk to you guys next week